Hi, and welcome to the Wise Women's Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Angela Council. And with a background as a naturopath, I thought I knew exactly what happened to women when they reached menopause until I experienced it myself. I then realized that there was so much more to this time of life than what was written in the textbooks. I decided it was time to bring this stage of life out of the closet and to have some open and honest conversations with women who are going through the same journey. Wise Women's Conversation has been created to share information and experiences from other wise women in our community. Sit back and listen to the wise women speak. Hello and welcome back to this week's conversation, Wise Women's Conversation. And this week I'm having a chat with Thea O'Connor. Now, Thea is a workplace wellbeing and productivity advisor and she's also the creator of a program called the change. Now, the conversation that I have with Thea today is, I think, is very, very important because we're talking about menopause in the workplace. And this is the area that Thea specializes in. It's her special interest to ensure that women who are in the workplace feel comfortable as they're going through menopause. Now, um, in this conversation, when I talk to Thea, she shares about um, a survey or some research that she did where she spoke to quite a few women about what their experience was as they were transitioning through menopause whilst they were working. And one of the biggest things that she mentioned that um, came from this research was that brain fog was a real concern for women um, as they're in the workplace because they were feeling like they kind of couldn't keep up and there, there was a chance that they might lose their jobs because they weren't thinking as clearly as they used to. So it's a really interesting conversation and the key themes that came through with Thea's research and also in the conversation that we had was the feelings of secrecy and isolation that women couldn't talk about what was going on for them physically and that they were too scared to speak up and that this actually resulted in a loss of confidence and because women felt they just couldn't talk about menopause that it was a very much of a taboo um, subject and when Thea asked women what they felt would make the biggest difference to the way they were able to uh, be productive in the workplace, the big things that they um, said, the main things were being heard, um, having a more positive mindset, not just for themselves, but for everybody else, That to know that menopause is a natural stage of life and it's not something that we should be joking about, it's something we should be putting down. And the other thing is that they felt like they were needing lots of um, support. Now, during this conversation, Thea did talk about how in Australia, um, this is just some, this topic is something is really untouched. In the UK, it's quite different. Um, HR managers and businesses and corporations are very open to speaking about workplace wellness and in particular menopause. And they've actually changed a lot of their workplaces to be able to cope with women or to be able to cater, not cope, to be able to provide support to women as they go through this stage of life. So Australia is very much behind the eight ball in this and Thea's out there trying to create a change. She's speaking to different HR managers and she's not getting a lot of 
you know, great feedback, but she does have, she's actually working with one company at the moment who is very receptive to making some type of changes because they realize that women are a very valuable part of their workforce. And if they don't support them and if women don't feel supported, that they're just going to leave. And that actually has big impact on business. So this was a really great conversation because I know that for me, I tend to, um, I left corporate many, many years ago and I tend not to think too much about those days. And, but I know that there's so many women who are still in corporate, who are being impacted by the things that are happening to their bodies, to their life, to their emotions as they're working. So hopefully you enjoy this episode. And if you do, please leave comments on wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether it's iTunes, uh, Spotify, or on the website. And just before I do go, I just want to um, let you know that if you haven't already subscribed to the Thrive in Menopause video series, that you can actually get access to that by just going to the link of bit.ly forward slash thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E with a capital T underscore register. And once again, that's with a capital R. So bit.ly forward slash thrive underscore register with a capital T and a capital R. If you pop over there, you'll be able to register for the five video series where I go through and share with you what's happening with your hormones, how that impacts the way you feel physically and emotionally, and it gives you some solutions of what it is you can do. So hopefully you will enjoy this episode, this wise woman's conversation, and I will be back next week with another conversation with you. Bye for now. Hi, and welcome back to this week's uh, wise woman conversation. And today I'm having a chat with Thea O'Connor. And I want to talk to Thea because Thea does something which I think is really, really important. And I'm going to get Thea to explain a little bit more about what it is she does. But we, this is a conversation we need to be having because so many women who are in the workforce are experiencing issues as they're going through menopause. So Thea, can you welcome to the, the, the conversation to start with? Thank you. And can you just give us a little bit of a... Um, just an update of why you do what you do, what your background was and what it is you're actually doing and what difference are you making to women in the, net, in the workplace? Sure. So my area of work is health and wellbeing in the workplace. Um, I had no plans of becoming, you know, a champion for menopause awareness in the workplace. <laughs> However, last year, I mean, I'm 53, I started to experience some of the symptoms of perimenopause. None of them were terribly debilitating, you know, a little bit of warmth every now and then, a little bit irritable. But the thing that really destabilized me at a certain time there was brain fog. <laughs> One of the things that I do is I sit down and I write articles for publications. And I remember this one fortnight when it was really bad and I sat down at my computer and my brain just felt like an empty sphere. And I was really worried. I thought, this is not good. And it was interesting. My first concern wasn't for my health. It was for my employability. You know, how am I going to keep delivering as a self-employed person to editors and workplaces if there's nothing in my brain? 
Now, thankfully, that hasn't persisted in a big way, although word recall can still be a challenge. But I thought, well, if I'm struggling as a self-employed person, what about all those other women my age out there in the workforce holding down really demanding jobs? What's happening for them? I haven't heard about this much. So being a writer and a researcher, I then conducted 25 interviews with working women across Australia, just asking them, what's been your experience? And I was really struck by the key themes that emerged, no matter what their symptoms, and as you know, they can be really diverse. Every woman spoke of their sense of secrecy, of isolation, of being too scared to speak up because of the stigma. They were scared that they would be discriminated against because ageism and sexism is very alive in the workplace. And there are also, many of them felt their confidence rocked because now they weren't quite delivering as you know, quickly and as sharply as normally. They were worried, you know, can I hold my job down? And I just thought, wow, in 2019, in workplaces we can talk about you know, your sexuality and disability, but women can't talk about menopause. And it just felt very wrong. So I then went on to pilot an online program for working women from different workplaces so that they could come together and first and foremost, reduce that sense of social isolation. And it did provide great relief, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. but also to explore the really practical things. What am I, how am I going to manage at work when I'm really tired or you know, my, my temper's flaring up um, or I'm experiencing brain fog? So that's how I came to be interested in, in this area. So I've initially just focused on individual women because I could see that workplace cultures weren't quite ready for this conversation. But you know, looking into the future, um, I am testing the waters to see if there are any workplaces ready to have this conversation. And it's such an important conversation to have, and not just within workplace, within society, because this is something that every woman goes through. Mm. It's like Absolutely. not every woman will fall pregnant, but every woman who has a menstrual cycle, which generally is 99.99% of the female population, will transition through menopause. Their period has to stop. It's going to happen to every woman. So 50% of humanity has this experience and yet there was this incredible sense of shame and stigma about it. Yeah, and I I get that. I mean, because I, you know, I can, the thing that before I got to this stage of life was it was a bit of a joke. Everything was made out to be a bit of a joke. Oh, yeah, you've got hot flushes. Oh, you've got, oh, you must be in menopause. And then there's the meme around, which has got the seven dwarves of menopause. Everything is made out to be a joke. But Mm. as you say, we're now quite open about talking about our sexuality, um, you know, gay rights, all of that, which is absolutely fantastic. When it comes to women speaking about what is innate within us, Mm. there's still even a bit of a stigma about speaking about your menstrual cycle. It's not quite as bad, but... There's still a, 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 you know, there's a stigma like we. this is a secret. We don't talk about this, but this is the very essence of what makes us female. It's like mm. this is what is, this is us. And if I guarantee, you know, like, I mean, men would talk about changes and they're not aware that they actually do go through hormonal changes. But for them, they just say, oh, it's a midlife crisis. But, you know, I think... For women, it is. It's just I get it. The secrecy, the isolation, being mm. too scared to actually speak up and say this is what is going on for me, and mm. not really understanding it themselves. Because I think that's the other thing. Because we're not talking about it, 
women actually quite often don't understand it themselves. They don't realise that this is part of the hormonal change that's happening to them. Yes. Yes, that was another thing that came out of the interviews that really struck me at a time when I was just trying to find that information myself. And they were saying quality information is actually really hard to find. And, and I thought, is it really? And so then I went and looked on some of the big credible websites around menopause and I put in brain fog and it doesn't even come up as a symptom. And then when I spoke to some health practitioners, they very readily dismiss it. Oh, it's just because you're not sleeping well. Oh, it's just because of hot flushes. And that was yep. so not my experience. I sleep really well. I'm not that stressed. I don't have hot flushes. So I, I also noticed how readily women's experience was dismissed and explained away rather than, than taken seriously. And so that also kind of put the wind up me a, a bit. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do my best to bring <laughs> the best quality information that I can. But boy, there's, there are still some really big gaps. And when I spoke to one woman in particular who was looking at women's change in cognition, how our brain functions over this you know, time of life, which is really important, um, she said to me, did you know that it's only been about 20 years that women have been systematically included in medical research. 20 mm -hmm. years. Yep. And it had to be yep. mandated. They first asked researchers to include women, I think this was back in 98, and then they didn't, and they had to mandate it. So we actually don't have good long-term data, for example, on women, women's bodies, which is shocking. No, I know. Yeah, it's amazing that we've got all this, you know, everyone wants to quote the science and wants to quote the research. Mm. But you say, well, is that, was that research, did it include any women who yeah. are either one, um, one going through a menstrual cycle, two, because we don't include pregnancy in any, for ethical reasons, but they don't include women who are going through menopause because hormones are too hard, they're too much of a variable. And when they're doing research, they don't want the variables because they want to be able to control everything and hormones are too variable. And so it's like, yeah, and so it's like everyone's quoting, oh, the research says this and the research says that. It's like, yeah, that's the research for men. Yeah. Where's the research for women? And, you know, this, you know, when, when you're saying, well, you know, most women don't realise or people are, there's no, it's not being told that things like brain fog can be a side effect or can be a symptom that happens when women mm. come through menopause. Because I know that as a naturopath, I was taught, about hot flushes, I was taught about insomnia and irritability. That's probably about it. That was kind of what I thought menopause was. No one ever told me about the emotional roller coaster. Yes. For yes. me personally, I didn't get a lot of hot flushes, but what I got was lots of joint pain. Mm. I got to the stage where I felt like I had fibromyalgia because I was in so much pain. And I wasn't until I did more and more research and started following some of the work that Wendy Sweet does. I don't know about if you've heard of Wendy. She's works in, uh, she's from New Zealand, but um, she has got a sports science background. And she started to realise that you know what was happening to women with these aches and pains was hormonal. But because there's no research around it, and also because we're living a different life now to what our grandmothers did. We are more active. We're out there in the corporate world. You know, so the, the woman today that's going through menopause is a totally different woman to you know, 50 years ago, 75, 100 years ago. We live a completely different life. One, we're living longer, but we've got so much more going on. So now we're realising the impact that all that is having 
on our body, on our health and the way our hormones are reacting to the world. Mm. And I think that combination of lack of quality information, but then that feeling in the workplace that you can't speak up, those two together just increase women's sense of isolation, which increases their stress levels on top of the symptoms that they might be managing. And interestingly, some of the research that particularly asks working women, what symptoms do you struggle with the most? Right up there, up the top are the tiredness and the fatigue that can come from a whole range of different experiences, but also the, the problems with concentrating, you know, and memory and, and brain fog. And when I did run the pro, pilot program um, last year, the brain fog was the one that particularly a lot of women felt found really that it was destabilising their professional um, capability. Mm. The issue of them not being able to talk about it just makes it absolutely worse. So what I strive to do for these women is just to restore to them the number one determinant of wellbeing, which is actually support and supportive relationships. And then we go into looking at, you know, well, practically, what can I actually do? But it's really interesting when I asked working women, you know, one of my final questions was, you know, what would make the biggest difference to your experience of going through menopause in the workplace? And every single woman said, you know, it was really basic. We just need to talk about this. We need to normalise it. And gee, wouldn't it be nice if we could also reframe it? Because all the information that we hear, it's all about the symptoms. Yeah. Don't talk about the other symptoms, i.e., an increase in confidence, a sense of authority, or the experience you've got to bring to bear, a steadiness on the inside. And I think from what I have seen on the little bit of work that's been done on menopause in the workplace, it's all really great, but it's very much about focusing on the problem. Mm -hmm. What's missing is that reframe, that, boy, women in their 50s, and I feel this, I feel like I've never had more to offer my clients than I, than I do now. And I think we need to be reminded of that. But also if you are struggling and it's really hard, it's also a fantastic opportunity to stop and take stock and look at what needs to change in my life. And I'm sure you've seen many women who perhaps are feeling really irritable and having anger outbursts. And like sometimes that can be because you've just put up with stuff yeah. way too long. <laughs> and this is the time to change that and set yourself up for the next decade. So in the, when I did run the pilot program, I was really happy to see this shift in attitude um, initially there were more people saying, oh, dearie me, it's a time of decline and, you know, I'm getting worse. And that did shift towards, you know, they weren't loving menopause, but at the end they're at least able to say this is a great opportunity to really sort out some issues that are long overdue. Yeah, and I totally get you around this, the mindset, because, and I was speaking this morning, I was at a networking group this morning, and the first thing, someone just said, oh, and because oh, it kind of triggered me a little bit, she says, "Is there anything I can do before I get the, before I get it before it, it happens to me?" Mm. No, it wasn't happening. So she's treating it like it was um, a disease. And my number one thing is, okay, menopause is not a disease, and we have to stop treating it as such. Menopause mm. is a stage of life that every woman goes through, mm. and because we do have to change the mindset, because we live in an ageist society that says. As you grow older, you get less value when, in fact, we know that as you grow older, you get so much more value because you have so much more wisdom to share. Mm. But the world is telling us, and at this same networking meeting, to, you know, you know how you, you sit around and you talk about what you do and the first person says, oh, 
I, I've got some skin thing that makes you look younger. And so that, says, that always sends a flare up for me. And then the next person says, well, I've got these tablets that will make you look, that are anti-aging tablets. It's like, and so by the time it got to me, it's like, you know, actually I'm not about anti-aging. Um, I'm about actually accepting where we are and really embracing the fact that we're actually now at a stage of life where we've got more freedom because mm. I think society is all about anti-aging. But Absolutely, yes. we are, I mean, we're aging from the moment we're born. We, we age from the moment we're born, you know, and when we're children, there's a celebration of each age that you get to it, but then it kind of gets to a certain stage in life and whether it's 21 or what, we, we stop celebrating age. And as we get older and older, we all, you know, women start to say, oh, well, you know, I'm never going to get older than 32. Well, actually, you are unless you die. You are going to get older than 32. Mm -hmm. But it's this mindset that when we get older, our bodies will break down. We have no value. And I think, yeah, that's a conversation. That's the way we've got to change that. It's like menopause for me. I mean, I run circles and I love the fact that you said that the biggest difference that women wanted was for some for, to have that support. Hmm. That's why I love running women's circles for these women because that's what a woman's circle does is it gives support and women get heard and they can share their stories and know that they are with other women who get it, who understand it and hmm. they completely accept where they are and it would be great if we could take that conversation further than just a women's circle and, and I love the fact that you're taking this into the workplace to, you know, start this conversation. So where, where is it at in workplaces? I know that you said you've approached a couple. Where, what are workplaces, how have they, you know, taken to the work you're doing? Yes. So it's only very new, Angela. Um, but what we know up until now is that from what I'm aware and from also talking to La Trobe University who have done a lot of work in this area, researching the workplace setting, I don't think there is actually a workplace yet who has really taken an organisational approach to creating a supportive culture. There was a survey done back in, I think it was 2015, by the Australian Human Resources Institute and 2% of Australian workplaces said they did provide some kind of information. So it might have been you know, a written fact sheet. So in Australia, it's almost an untouched area. The UK, however, are just kicking goals all over the place. They've had a, a UK government report on the cost of not supporting women. And this was driven by a professor, Jo Brewis, from the University of Leicester. And she's done amazing trailblazing work. They've even got an organisation, it's called Hen Picked, that delivers training and workplaces around menopause awareness. And they're getting more and more people on board. So they are really leading the way. So back to here in Australia, um, I am going to be running a webinar for our Human Resources Institute in a few weeks. And, and in preparation for that, I said, okay, great. How about I just talk to a few human resource practitioners um, to get a sense of their attitude before the webinar? Because they're the key people who would be you know, involved in driving it. And it was wonderful. You know, I asked them, what was your top of mind reaction when you heard Thea's going to talk to you about menopause in the workplace? And people were wonderfully honest. And they said, look, even though I'm a woman and even though I've been through it, I'm going, oh, really? Um, others have said, why? Why do we need to talk about menopause in the workplace? One young guy said, oh, look, to be really honest, I thought, what about menopause? And so, look, basically it just showed people are feeling a bit bewildered about why would we need to talk about this. 
So the work needs to start right at that question. Why should this even be a workplace conversation? And the reason is because for those who struggle, it does impact on their work. However, just a little bit of workplace support can make the world of difference while things are a little bit rocky. We know that one in four women consider leaving their job when they go through menopause. So that could have a huge impact on a woman's economic future. It's a big loss to the workplace because these women are experienced, they've got a lot to bring. Um, so there's kind of a social responsibility that workplaces could tap into and say, oh, that's a good reason. There are business benefits in that if you proclaim to be into gender equity and inclusion, well, put your money where your mouth is. You can demonstrate it through this kind of initiative. And some of the UK organisations have said, yes, it's actually been great for their branding because it shows that they're really committed. But there's also a legal case. In the UK, there have been a few cases where women have won a case on the basis of being discriminated against in terms of, um, I can't remember if it was dismissal or uh, something related to menopause as well. So workplaces into, in Australia need to wise up to the fact that they are legally required to provide a safe and discrimination-free environment for women. So look, Andrew, I'm a little bit excited though. I think I'm at the forefront of bringing about workplace change. I do have um, a workplace that they might actually be piloting the whole lot, which would involve education for everyone, men included. Um, training for managers about how to have com comfortable conversations, looking at what are the reasonable adjustments that could be made for women when they're going through this time. And it's nothing magical. It's just things like flexibility. If you've had a really bad night's sleep, maybe you need to start a bit later or you might need flexible working hours to go and see an appointment. Temperature control is an obvious one. Um, but there are lots of really simple things that workplaces can do to just make it a bit more of a supportive environment. So fingers crossed, Angela, we might have our first Australian workplace willing to go down that path. And yeah, I'm going to be excited to be at the forefront of that. Well, I'll be looking forward to that because it is, it, and it's more than anything, we just need to be having the conversation because, it, you know, yeah. from, from just what you just said, I mean, the, the changes that they need to make, they're not big changes. I mean, and in essence, they're not, you know, it's like it's not mind-blowing. Yes. <laughs> it's like, you know, and it's all, yeah. And it's flexibility is something yeah. that, you know, they should have, it would be good if they had that for all staff. Yes. So what you can end up doing for women going through menopause is good for all staff. And yeah. it's generally speaking already there. And I think where we can take our lead is from all the great work that has been done around mental health in the workplace. Number one is reduce the stigma. And I think that's where we need to start with menopause. And then when you take away the stigma, people feel more comfortable speaking yeah. up and asking for help. So yeah, I totally get that. I from think, that work that's been done. Yeah, I think that um, that talking, you know, just talking about it and not making it into a big joke. Not it's taking like, it into a big joke, also not turning it into a whinge fest. Because I was curious when we said, look, we're not talking about this, not talking about it in the workplace. No, we don't talk about it in the workplace. But I got on social media and, of course, there are huge sites on menopause on Facebook. But what really struck me was the tone. Often it was so negative. I mm -hmm. would click out of there feeling so depressed. And that's not to say that women aren't suffering. But what I wanted to create in my program, The Change, was two things. A respectful dialogue that was on the lookout for self-put-downs because I often, you know, hear women talking about it as if it's a form of punishment for them or, you know, oh, here we go again, typical me. 
I wanted a respectful dialogue that also called us to take responsibility for what we can so it doesn't dissolve into a whinge fest. Women didn't want a whinge fest either because they knew that that would make, make it worse. Mm-hmm. So I talk about, we've got the three R's in the change program, keeping it real. Of course, you've got to say how it is. Respectful dialogue on the lookout for self put downs and responsibility. Because if you can take control of even just a small aspect of say your health behaviors or choices, that in and of itself is good for your health and well-being. quite apart from what the actual act is. So a call to take responsibility for what we can. Yep, I absolutely love that. And I totally agree because I'm probably in some of the same groups that you are and it can get, yeah, it's it's just like, you know, it, it gets overwhelming when you, you hear people just complaining about it and it's like, oh, this is the worst time of my life. I'm going, oh, wow, but this could be the best time of your life if you took responsibility, if, you know, you, you were respectful about what's going on because... I don't believe nature's made any mistakes. Nature knows exactly what it's... We are meant to transition. We're not meant to be transitioning with all these massive symptoms. So that's what's going on. We need to be looking at why that's happening. It's not supposed to be the worst time of our life. It's to be the best time of our life. We've got to look at what is it that's going on that's making it the worst. And I think a lot of it is this mindset that menopause is going to be a tough time but if we flip that and when menopause is the time when i step into my wisdom menopause is the time when i'm actually not going to be scared to stand up and speak my truth Mm. it can be because there are women who are not having any issues at all Mm. and it's their mindset and i guess and even if because you know are having issues and a lot of women will it's like if there's any scope to just change the mindset from like oh poor me She's like, okay, what do I need to address here? Perhaps there's a backlog of body neglect. You know, you made the point, Angela, so well that many women enter menopause exhausted. Yep. So how have I been treating my body? Have I just been driving it and flogging it like a machine? <laughs> you know, or do I actually need to change that for the next decade of my life? And I guess that's the opportunity. It's not easy, particularly if you're really suffering, but I can't think of a better way. Yeah, well, and it's a great time because I think that, I agree with you. No, there are women who were, who have symptoms and we can look at different ways of managing those symptoms, but it's a real wake-up call as to where is it I'm in in my life? You know, have I been looking after myself? Have I been just giving, 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 giving to the rest of the world? Is it now time for me to give back to myself? Because I think it's, to me, the way I work is I believe that all these messages come from our body and they're trying to tell us something. We can either ignore it and just complain about it or we can say, okay, what is happening? What is it that my body needs? Does it need better nutrition? Does it need better Mm -hmm. sleep? Does it need better relationships? What is it that my body is trying to say to me? Because it is trying to speak to you in the only way it knows how. Its only voice is symptoms. So if we've got this stuff going on, it's like this is a great time to, to reassess where you're at and for some women, that mean might mean changing jobs. It might mean changing relationships. It, it could just be that they become more responsible for the, the things that they do. It doesn't have to be massive changes. It might be simple changes. Mm. Yes, and I think that was my experience. Um, you know, when I was experiencing the brain fog thing, I felt a real call to, to really 
strengthen even further my commitment to my well-being practices. I'm already pretty active, but I thought, right, I actually have to go to the gym once more per week, you know, because I think exercise is one of the best things that you can do to your brain. And like I said, it wasn't a huge difference, but it was like, I'm going to have to do this. You know, I need to do something differently here. Mm. And it was a really big call to strengthen even further my commitment to well-being. Yeah. You know, and as they say, if, if you want to get a different outcome, you have to do something different. So if you keep doing the same stuff that you've done for the last 20, 30 years, you're going to get the same outcome. If you want a different outcome, you have to go, well, okay, where, what's, what's one small change I can make today? And that might simply be drinking more water. That might be where you start, just mm. drinking more water. It might be you know, taking five minutes out and with bare feet and putting your feet on the ground. It could be something as simple as that. With one change comes the next change comes the next change. You don't have to do it all, you know, in the first week. Absolutely. And that's overwhelming. Yes. And that's where I get a little bit annoyed sometime at health professionals. And people will say things like, oh, we'll just have a low carbohydrate diet. As (laughs) if for people, it's so easy to do. But it's like, wait a minute, eating behaviour is complex. For, for women in particular, there are a lot of emotional needs, you know, tied up in that. Is it going to be really that simple? Is it is fantastic, but for a lot of women, that's actually a major project and it needs to be broken right down, like you said, to the small doable first steps that you can build on over time rather than just wave a magic wand. You know, caffeine, sugar, carbohydrates, they've all got addictive properties. And for many women, it's actually a major project and you need to... Oh, totally. And... A low carbohydrate diet or any type of diet doesn't work for everyone. Because yeah. I, you know, I my one of the things I do is like looking at what actually is the best way for your body. What mm. type of food does it need? You know, it, low carbohydrate works great for some people. For others, it doesn't. It's like so we we kind of get very predictive. It's like mm. we're looking for a prescription, a, a solution that's going to fit everyone and. The same as menopause is not the same for everyone. Everyone has a different experience. The Mm. solutions are different for everyone because there is so much. It's like, okay, so what's your body like? What what lifestyle have you had? Where how have you got to where you are today? What is it that needs changing, correcting, or whatever? And it's different for every single woman. And it's one of the things like, I'll tell me which pill to take. Okay, well, there's more than one pill. And the pill's not going to fix the problem because there's not a single solution because everyone is different. Mm. And this is something, even as a practitioner, it's like when I was in practice, it's like, okay, this is, this is what I believe is the diet everybody's on. You should be on. Everyone should be doing keto at those stage. And it's like, why is it working for some women and not working for others? And there was a lot of other stuff going on because it, wasn't, it was a prescription. Mm. And now, now that I, I realise that the prescription doesn't work if it's not right for the body. And yeah. it's like, let's just see where's the body, what does the body require? And this is something that I think that many women are not totally in touch with their body. They're not connected with the way their body works. Like you said, oh, well, you know, I realised that I had to go to the gym and, uh, and do, we'll do another workout because you've, you've connected and your body said, okay, I need more movement. But many women, I think, and this comes in the workplace and what you've been saying is like the isolation and lack of confidence and all that is that people, women are disconnected from who they are because they've spent so much time being who the world wants them to be. Mm. Mm. 
And so that's where I just see such a great opportunity um, around this time to come into a deeper relationship with ourselves. You know, if we have been disconnected, you know, with our bodies, great, reconnect. And then not only connect with my body, but can I trust what it's saying? We've been so conditioned to listen to the experts that I think sometimes we don't necessarily trust. Well, no, that diet isn't right for me. I think it's this one. But what a wonderful path to come into a deeper relationship with your body, to trust yourself even more, and to really build what I call your body intelligence, where really, um, you know, you start handing over some of the decisions you make actually to your body, not to your head, because that can often make quite a lot of insurance and, you know, all the rest of it. So that's the opportunity. And, look, you know, I don't preach this to women because I'm in the middle of this the process of myself. I'm also interested when my, well, they are, you know, as your looks start to change, I'm not going to get so much social validation anymore from the outside. So, boy, do I need to have a good connection with myself on the mm. inside that knows my essence and my true worth. And that's a great journey to take. Haven't got it all sorted, Angela, but <laughs> I'm happy for that, that part. None of us have got it all sorted. So, <laughs> so you said that you, you've got one workplace who's keen to work with you, yeah. and I know you've got your program called The Change. So where what what's next for you? What, what do you... I, I know you really want to get this into the workplace. What are your next steps? Well, as I said, if I can get this pilot up and running, that would be fantastic. And I'm hoping that will create a snowball effect, you know, consulting to workplaces um, and creating the resources that they need. But I guess my main goal is, I remember when I was doing my interviews and we we're talking about the workplace context and one woman said, to change cultures, it's going to take a woman with nothing to lose. <laughs> and I thought, oh, yes, that'll be some brave CEO somewhere in some workplace. And then I realised slightly uncomfortably, uh, I'm going to have to be one of those women with nothing to lose. If I work in health and well-being and I work for myself, if I can't talk about it, you know, who can? So I'm planning to be one of those women with nothing to lose, Angela, <laughs> bringing it to awareness in the general public but also workplaces. Yeah, I'm with you because I, and I've been in the same place. It's like you even just using the word menopause, I kept going, oh, do people yeah. want me to say menopause? And I went, you know, actually... That's what it is. Let's just, yeah. you know, I was using mid-stage of life. I was using this. Yes. It is menopause. Let's just talk about it. Let's talk about, just use the word. Yeah. yeah. If we're Let's afraid to use the word, how can we expect other people to use the word? Here's a funny story for you. One of the um, workplaces in the UK, and I'm pretty sure it was the University of Leicester where Joe Brewers has done all this good work. So they've done their own intervention. <laughs> and as part of just making menopause a comfortable conversation, they said, right, everyone has to say the word menopause three times a day until we're over this. And so they had the three-a-day um, challenge to get them over that, which I thought was pretty funny. But it's a big thing because these are, these are the belief systems that we've been brought up to. It's like we don't talk about this stuff. So it's all hidden in, inside of us. And, yeah, we need to be bringing this word out, you know. It's, mm. it's like it's not, not a dirty word or anything. It's like... It's menopause. It is a stage of life. It's not a condition. It's not a disease. It's a stage of life. It means the cessation of your menstrual period. And so that's part of it is that we don't talk about menstrual cycles either. Yeah. Um, it's like there, there's all that around it. So any wonder by the time we uh, get to our menopause stage of life, it's like we're too scared to speak because we've never been able to speak about our our periods, our menstrual cycle either. Yeah. So it's like... We are, in our heads, we're so mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> I 
But let's hope we're on the cusp of change, like the kind of work that you're doing and the messages that you're putting out that all really, I like how powerfully you speak to the positive side of menopause and that's definitely something women need to hear more. So yeah. thank you for doing that. Um, my pleasure, because I totally agree. The more we hear these positive stories, I say it's just a bit like birth stories. People always like to share their terrible birth stories, but there's birth is a beautiful stage of life, you know, and it's like, why are we not sharing the, the good things? We're only sharing the bad stuff. And the more, the more we, we more the younger women see that menopause can be a great time of life, the better they're going to transition. Mm -hmm. It's like, because that's what you're surrounded by. You're just surrounded by the good stuff. You don't know anything different. Yes. And um, I remember one teacher having a great suggestion, you know, saying, well, look, when we give kids the sex talk or the puberty talk, the girls get told about their periods, but they don't get taught about menopause. So let's start teaching them then. So I've got a 10-year-old daughter. I did the older mother thing. So I'm one of those classic women in their midlife, you know, where it's all going on. Yeah, so am I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've talked to her about it. I said, you know, you're on the cusp of puberty and things are going to change. And I said, well, I've got this menopause. It's kind of like reverse puberty. And now she just goes to me, oh, how's your puberty thing going now, mum? <laughs> She doesn't like the sound of the word menopause. How's your puberty thing going? <laughs> yeah, I'm. I, as my daughter was getting her periods, mine were finishing all at the same time. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm an older mum too because I was 43 when I had her. So I was probably already perimenopausal anyway by that stage, <laughs> not realising it. <laughs> well, actually, when I, because she was my gift from the universe, and yeah. where I actually did think I was in perimenopause when my period had stopped. Mm. So I'd already, I had one, my son, but that stage was two and a half. I had my first at 40. And it's like, oh, my period stopped. And I think, oh, is this just perimenopause? Until I started to feel sick. And I'm going, oh, maybe it's not. Maybe I need to do a pregnancy test. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, I have a gift. This is my final gift from the universe. Yeah. And yeah, now she's 14. Um, but I want to thank you from for being part of this conversation today. Where can people find out more? Where can women find out more about what you do? Or if there happens to be um, people who are in HR that are listening to this conversation, where can they find out more about the work that you're doing and bringing the menopause conversation into the workplace? So my website is the best place to go. So it's just thea.com.au. So that's T-H-E-A.com.au. And then if you want to go to the section around menopause, it's just thea.com.au forward slash the dash change. I might give that to you as well. That's right. I just wrote it down and I will put all that in the show links. Um, and whereabouts on social can people find you? Um, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm really um, developmentally delayed on Facebook. <laughs> well, I think Facebook's <laughs> almost over. So <laughs> uh, LinkedIn is my favourite one. Okay. That's where I'm most active. Okay, so I'll put all the links in the show notes. So if people want to find you, they'll be able to find you anyway. So, um, but I want to thank you because this is a really important conversation that you know everyone needs to be happening. And I think, um, I think sometimes when um, we're working for ourselves, we forget that there's women in the workplace who are doing this mm. really, really tough. Because it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty easy when you're at home. You know, if it, if it gets it's hot, you open the door. It's like. Yeah. But I have a nap. Yeah. I've got a nap couch in my. That's right. It's like because you're also very much into the the, the yeah. power naps, aren't you? Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, it's easy for us to forget that there's women in the workplace who are there every single day, who mm. are suffering from these brain fog, you know, who you know experience this stuff that's going on and they can't talk about it. So yeah. I, it's a fantastic conversation, and yeah, we need to be having 
more of these type of conversations and getting to more women because yeah, as you say, and you know, I think women are, I think women are actually more than fifty percent of the population these days. So mm, okay. a great chunk of the population is at some stage going through this uh, this transition. So it's not as if it happens to one or two women. It is a massive thing and every woman will go through it. And there's it's actually the, the it's a growing demographic. Women over the age of fifty is actually a growing demographic across the world so because we're living longer so yeah we need to be having these conversations so thank you so much for being part of this conversation today i've i've learned lots from you i've taken lots of notes which i will also write up in the show notes and yeah thanks for thanks for being with me but is there one last message you want to leave the audience i think my main message is just seeing what an opportunity menopause is. It is it's an absolute gift um, to stop and take stock of your life and really set yourself up for being the change that we want to see. We all want to see older women more respected and honoured in our, in our culture at large. Let's be that woman who walks with dignity and a real sense of her own authority. And I think that's one of the best ways to change stereotypes is to be the change that we want to see. Thank you so much. That was uh, that was stunning. Uh, just really, you just really nailed it all in one. So thanks so much for your time today. It's Thank been you, great. I hope, and if our audience has got any questions, they can put them underneath the post and I can pass them on. But anyone wants to know more about what Thea is doing, please just go to our website and, yeah, just check it out, particularly if you work in corporate Australia. Um, it's time for us to have this conversation. So thanks, everyone, for listening to us today, and I'll be back next week with another Wise Women's Conversation. Bye for now. Well, did you enjoy listening to that Wise Women's Conversation? Please let me know what you thought by leaving a comment on the Mark Woman Project website or giving the podcast a review in iTunes or wherever it is you're listening to this podcast. Please share this podcast with other wise women who you think would like to listen. And remember, you are a wise woman. I want to thank you for listening today. And until next time, from my heart to yours, infinite love and gratitude. Bye.